It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Cincinnati Reds have won 10 games in a row, and much of what they're doing is sustainable for the long term. I'll explain why on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan that has turned an addiction into information for you. Here on the Locked On Reds podcast, this is now my fifth season covering the team on a daily basis, your team every day, thanks to the Locked On Podcast Network for Locked On Reds. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me talk some Reds with you. I encourage you, if you're listening, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's, or you can uh, drop a thought here on the YouTube page in our comment section, because talking Reds is what I do. And I want to talk Reds with you and you can get even more Reds insight and get a direct line to me by texting. I'm in to five, one, three, five, nine, seven, zero, nine, four, four. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. Every dayers, let us know down in the comments section, what's going on with you because 10 games in a row has to have you excited if you've been in every day or for very long you know all the struggles that we've gone through with this cincinnati reds ball club especially if you're a lifelong fan like me you're you <laughs> the, the 10 10 wins in a row is just absolutely phenomenal we're going to get into why this is something that could be sustained not 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 winning every game but the way that this team plays it, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a flash in the pan and then they disappear this is how the Reds are going to be for a while. And then we're going to talk about some things that Nick Crawl said. Nick Crawl said some things that we wanted to hear. I'm going to tell you what that means for the ball club. And then we are going to talk about the awesomeness of Andrew Abbott and a thought I have about Alexis Diaz. Before we get into all of that, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed and where we are starting today, 10 wins in a row. And that's thanks to Ellie De La Cruz, TJ Friedel, Will Benson, and some interesting performances by uh, the bullpen when we needed them to pitch. Ben Lively kind of had a rough start, but I mean, not rough enough that you're going to mark it down as one of his worst starts of the season. It just wasn't that great. He didn't go five innings. He only threw four innings and he needed some help from the lineup, but he was given to it when Ellie De La Cruz, listen here, when Ellie De La Cruz was called up, we said there'd be nights like Tuesday night because he is a super phenom and he's joined by an outstanding performance from TJ Friedel, but they both led the way to the Reds 10th straight when the last time and, and kind of looking ahead to today's game to be on when you listen to this, uh, you may, the game may already have happened since it's an early game at 1235, but with this game and an opportunity, the Reds win, they could win their 11th in a row. They haven't done that since 1940. Now, 1957, they won 12 games in a row. That's their longest win streak 
um, since, I mean, for since like the 1800s. But the franchise's longest winning streak overall was back in 1899 when they won 14 games in a row. So we as fans, we can do this. We can look ahead. We can see like, hey, the streak could be this. It could be that. All this other stuff. What's very interesting to me is in the post game, TJ Friedel was asked about the winning streak and he had a very thoughtful answer. Yeah, it's just playing the same brand of baseball we've been playing. And it's not like, okay, guys, like, you know, you go down early. We've gone down early plenty of games. And no matter what, we're going to find a way to scratch and claw back to make it a game, no matter what it is, no matter what the streak's at. So just playing that brand of baseball, no one's looking at the streak and being like, all right, like we don't want to lose the streak. No, it's just playing our brand of baseball. And at the end of nine innings, we'll look up at the scoreboard and see where we're at. And, you know, it's just that mentality and the chemistry that this group has from the pitching staff to the bullpen to the, to the uh, you know, the, the position players, like all the way through. That's the mindset that we have. And that's the brand of baseball that we're going to continue playing. That feels like the answer that most players would give and like they have to give that answer, but it just feels different with this ball club. And then a big reason is why is Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz was three for four last night and he had an amazing game. He is really starting to heat up after, you know, they kind of sat him down for a game last week. He has just been on a tear three for four last night with a pop fly home run. I, I sent out a tweet. I was just like, that is an Ellie De La Cruz home run. Looks like a pop fly lands 40 feet back in the stands. Yes, I know. There were a couple of people that like, tell me it didn't land 40 feet in the stands, landed in the front row there in left field, whatever. Still a home run. Ellie De La Cruz hits these things that just look like moonshots, look like they're going to be a can of corn. And then all of a sudden, bam, he's rounding the bases for a homer. He, he just does that. He then had a double that one hop to the left fielder. Let me re let me rephrase that. He hit a double that literally pretty much every other player. It's a single. He hits it to the left fielder. That's jerks and profile and profile. Whenever he picks it up, Ellie's already halfway to second. He is so fast and he just absolutely took over the game with his base running after he had a single, he had a single that hit off. Uh, the, uh, the Rockies pitcher at the time, and I forget who it was, but hit off the pitcher. He was able to beat the throw to first, but the throw was off and it went into right field. So Ellie went to second. So there he is standing on second next pitch or before the next pitch, the pitcher decides he's going to make a pickoff move and try and get him out at second, eh. threw it into center field, easily moves. Ellie easily moves on to third base. And then the very next pitch, Jake Fraley doubles into the right field corner. So Ellie scores easily. Ellie probably would have scored from first on Jake Fraley's double. It's just how fast he is, but his base running game just changes the game. That pitcher was so uncomfortable after the pickoff attempt that went nowhere. Just uh, uh, unbelievable. And then he tried, I believe he tried to pick off Jake Fraley. And with that pickoff attempt, he missed. And it went into center field and Jake Fraley scored from second base. It's the kind of thing that sets up the other team for so, for so much failure, just absolutely forces them to unravel themselves if they're going to try and get them out. And of course, later on in the game, it was stupid. Had he slides into third base head first, absolutely safe. By the way, I think this was after the double, but, um, he's absolutely safe. And, uh, the third baseman, Ryan McMahon tries to tag him 
was too late to tag him, but like falls on him, makes it look like a fall anyway. I think it was a fall, but looked like he bodied him, pushed him off third base and tagged him. And for some reason, the umpire called him out. Like, I think the umpire, I, I think they're just trying to learn what Ellie De La Cruz can do because the umpire looked at this situation almost as if he was just like, nah, there's no way he's safe there. I got to call him out. But it was obvious that he was forced off the base. I don't understand that rule if that's not what that was. But just beautiful base running from him. And TJ Friedel, look, first four-hit night of his career. He had a three-run bomb that really just set this game in motion for the Reds. But an absolute three-run bomb, three singles on the night. He had five uh, balls in play with an average exit velocity of 95.3. The definition of a hard hit ball is a ball with an exit velocity of 95. Everything he put in play was a hard hit ball on Tuesday night. And he had this, this interesting bit to say, because, you know, we talked a lot, a lot about this with Joey Votto coming back. Is he going to affect the chemistry of this team in a certain way? And more, I am more confident now than I have ever been that I don't necessarily know that you can negatively affect this Reds team chemistry. In fact, even this winning streak, a lot of people would say, boy, a winning streak would really put pressure on a young team like this. I don't think so. And it has a lot to do with what TJ Friedel says right here. You know, it all, uh, we actually talked about this a couple of days ago and it goes back to that Pittsburgh series when we went into Pittsburgh and got swept and I think we scored two runs in three or four games maybe. And uh, a lot of a lot of us were kind of pressing to be that guy to hit the home run or, or runners in scoring position, and we were putting added pressure on ourselves to get that hit, to be that guy that kind of flips everything. Well, putting that added pressure on your like putting that added pressure on yourself makes it hard. You know, it makes it tougher than a game that's already hard. So uh, you know, we had a meeting when we got back home, and, and you know, Luke Maley said it best: it's like the next man up mentality, and it's it's like we have a team, we have a squad full of guys who are more than capable of producing, like you said, each and every night is a different guy. And no matter what, no matter where the line is, no matter who's up in the order, no matter where we're at, we always have someone who's going to produce. And so once we kind of got in that mindset and committed to that, it's just been full ghost since then, right? It's like you come up, you want to do the job, you want to get the job done, but if, if you don't, there's the next guy up behind you who's going to get it done. And it's having that trust in your teammate, and that's where the chemistry comes from. And it's having that trust in your teammates that you know that, okay, I, didn't, I maybe didn't get it done right now, but Maddie's going to get it done. John's going to get it done. There's, there's eight guys behind you who can get it done. So, um, you know, just having that mentality throughout the team, you know, everyone's got that mentality. It's just, like you said, it's a different person every night. It's amazing. You know, it's not just one guy that you're hoping is going to get that hit. It's every single person, one through nine. Guys come off the bench, big pinch hits. Like, it's everyone, and it's incredible, and it's contagious. This is a theme across all sports, whether you're talking about basketball or football or or baseball or hockey or whatever, any player on a good team, good teams say this, by the way, any player on a good team says, I know the dude next to me has my back. Offensive linemen say this all the time on, on the best of offensive lines. And, and I've heard Dave Lap, La, uh, Dave Lapham talk about this quite a few times. He's like, I knew the the dude next to me had me. If, if something went wrong, if I didn't play perfectly, dude next to me was going to pick up my slack. And I think that is key because we as humans are not perfect. We're going to mess up eventually. And if you're, if you mess up and you know that your teammates got your back, you're not worried about messing up anymore. 
Will Benson is a perfect example of this. He has come up from the AAA and just absolutely blown up. And by the way, he ain't done heating up. He's he's he hit a home run last night. He was one for two. He got a walk as well, and he scored after he walked. His season average is up to 263. His on base percentage is up to 371. This is more what we were talking about. The slugging percentage still needs to go up a little bit. Not necessarily where I thought it would be quite yet, but he's 25 years old. You saw it at the beginning of the season. His first month with the Reds, he was pressing. Every single at bat looked like he needed to hit a basis empty grand slam. But it's like he gets it. And all these guys understand it. You don't have to hit a basis empty grand slam. You just have to get on base. And this team is just going to continue to play. I mean, this was the seventh game of the season that the Reds had three homers in a game. Third game in a row, by the way. They hit three homers in a game. It's the first time all season they've had that kind of a streak. But they're just coming together. And, and whatever it is that they've got going on right now, it is absolutely sustainable because of the mentality of this team. Yeah, there's a lot of talent, but it's the mental aspect of the game that can absolutely trump talent. And they have the mental aspect figured out as well. And, and I said this, and, and Steve, Steve and I, we both said this. Whenever Ellie was called up, we said there'd be nights like Tuesday night. From Ellie, from TJ, from, from everybody on this team, because it's infectious. The Reds are good. And you know what? Nick Crawl gave us some news that we were all hoping to hear. Because with this good Reds team, there's going to be some moves that need to be made. Coming up next, I'll tell you why what Nick Crawl said is so vital to the growth of this team. Before we talk about that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that's Game Time. Game Time is going to give you the best deal on last-minute tickets. And while the Reds are this good, I mean, if you weren't there on Monday night or Tuesday night, the atmosphere at Great American Ballpark is unlike anything that we have seen in the last decade. Okay, maybe the, you know, the All-Star game and all that stuff. That was pretty cool. But as far as regular season Cincinnati Reds baseball, you got to get there. And Game Time is going to help you do it. You got to check them out today. You can download the Game Time app and use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. We're going to help you get in the door a little bit cheaper. Plus, Game Time has the Game Time guarantee. If you find tickets in the same section, the same row on another app for cheaper, Game Time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are in giving you the best price. So download Game Time today. Use the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase and get to a Reds game for a good price. That's Game Time. Uh, they've got last-minute tickets. They've got the lowest price, guaranteed. The Reds and Rockies finish up the series today starting at 12.35 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, you know what? If you can't get down to the ballpark, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. And thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day or is on the next podcast, we will get the Rockies' perspective of this series with Paul Holden from Lockdown Rockies. So make sure you join us. All right, Nick Cross spoke yesterday before Tuesday's game, um, and, and he had a lot to say. He, the impetus for the press availability was the fact that the Reds DFA'd Will Myers. That was something I didn't think they'd do. I, I we, we talked about this whenever we were looking at all the guys that were coming back from injury. I said that, you know, Will Myers is coming back. 
I bet they bring him up. They try to see if they can get some value, uh, you know, recoup some value a little bit with some performances and then maybe trade them off. They, they weren't going to do that. And it just shows how serious this team is. The Cincinnati Reds are serious. And I don't think that we could say that over the last few years. We weren't sure. Turns out they were playing the long game. You know, they're, they're making a lot of people eat crow so far this year. But there's some moves that Nick Crawl needs to make. But based on what he said on the Nick Crawl DFA, or on the, on the Nick Crawl DFA, on the Will Myers DFA, I think he's going to make the right decisions. It wasn't about the money. It was just about, hey, we, we have guys on this team that have taken steps forward. And there's been a lot of guys from AAA to the big league players um, or to the guys that started in the big leagues. So it's, it's seeing these guys take steps forward. They just earned the playing time. They've earned everyday roles. They've earned uh, those bench roles. And, and, you know, we thought Will would be a contributor coming in and, just didn't happen. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad. He's a great guy and, and, you know, wish him the best, but you know, we thought it was best for our team to stick with these guys. That was the right thing to say. That's the right mentality to have. And that means the reds are serious. And when you look at this team being at the top of the division, but still having a lot of questions, especially when it comes to starting pitching, the next question obviously is, are the reds buyers? Yeah. I, we, we're first place. We want to, we're looking to win. That's, that's our goal. So, uh, I, I think we, you know, we want to do whatever we can for this team. I think we just need to continue to play well and, and see what's out there. Uh, I, I'm not sure there's, there's a, there, there obviously hasn't been a good match at this point. So, um, I don't see anything on the horizon, but you, you never know. And you're just going to keep working at it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we, we've had some starters go down. I think that, you know, it'll be nice to get some of those guys back over the next few weeks. But I think that uh, it's something I think we're just going to look at any avenue to, to improve our club. It's something that reminds me of what Nick crawl was talking about in the year that they started trading off everybody and the, the, the way that he would word things. And I know a lot of people like to really harp on some of his messages that he had, you know, for us Reds fans and say, well, he said this, this was bad. He shouldn't have said this and all this other stuff. He was getting us ready. He's getting us ready again. And, and by saying that there's nothing on the horizon, he's, he's, he's making sure that we understand a deal is not imminent, but he's looking firmly believe that he's looking firmly believe that he will pounce on an opportune opportunity. I don't think that the reds are going to, you know, feel this sense of desperation and go out and make some kind of deal that all of us are going to go, Hmm. I think that's good. Like, I think at the end of the day, we're going to look at the deal and be like, that makes a lot of sense. And that's probably a good trade. And some of that has to do with, are the Reds going to take on some money here? Because, well, they're not paying a whole lot of money to the players on this team currently. And they seem to have some sort of payroll, f- a payroll flexibility. And that question was asked of Nick crawl. And he simply said, yeah, I, I, I have flexibility. Something that I, told Hannah, I think on our first date, um, she's found out ever since. No, I'm just joking. This was talking about the Reds finances. Obviously, um, when it comes to what Nick crawl is saying here, the Reds are absolutely going to be in the market. They are absolutely going to be looking for ways to improve this ball club. And I don't think it's going to be, I, I wonder because 
one of my thoughts, and I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast, and there's been a lot of interesting reactions to it, is the Reds could go get a guy like Lance, Lance Lynn, who his guaranteed part of his contract is uh, expiring at the end of this year. He does have a team option for $18 million. I don't necessarily know that if the Reds were to trade for him, they would pick that up. But the interesting part about Lance Lynn is that I think they could get him for not that much as far as like trading prospects go and things like that. In fact, I even did a thing on baseballtradesimulator.com where I traded Reese Hines and Nick Senzel for Lance Lynn and then the White Sox paid the rest of his salary for this year. So the Reds would literally get Lance Lynn for basically the money it would cost to buy out his team option. And a lot of people immediately said, well, Jeff, He's got a 6.5 ERA. Why are you going for a guy like that? Do you trust the 15 starts that he's made so far this year or the 49 that he made in the last two years as far as the sample size go? Because the 49 starts he made for 2021 and 2022, he has a 3.2 ERA. And something else that's really working against him this season, his BABIP, his batting average on balls in play, is 342 against him. Those 49 starts that I mentioned over 2021 and 2022, his BABIP is 277. I'm getting into the weeds here, but what I'm saying is I think Lance Lynn is better than his ERA is saying. And a lot of people look at his ERA and think they know something about him. I think he would be pretty good. And I think the Reds could get him on the cheap, but if they do want to stretch and they could get a guy who has multiple years of control and is a good pitcher, they could look at Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez from the Detroit Tigers. Erod's had a pretty decent season. He is currently hurt, but he's coming back here pretty soon. But when they get him back, and if the Reds were to look to trade for him, he's got a couple more years on his deal, and I think it's like $49 million total, so that would cost some money, but as Nick Crawl says, yeah, I, I, I have flexibility. And he's talking about his finances there the key. But uh, overall, I, I expect because the Reds have shown me through the way that they institute this rebuild, this fast rebuild that they've done, the way that they've accumulated talent on this team, and the way that they're treating the roster this year, the Reds are serious. And when it comes to whether or not they will add the necessary pieces to make a run, I think they will. And I think they're going to do it in a smart way. And in a way that even me talking about Erod and Lance Lynn, probably by the time that they make their deals, I'm going to be like, well, yeah, that makes way more sense than my ideas because that's what Nick crawl has done. And Nick crawl has earned my trust for that because he's serious. You know, Andrew Abbott has been amazing so far, but just how amazing has he been? And is there cause for concern? I mean, when you don't allow any runs, it's kind of have kind of hard to have causes for concern, but I've seen a couple. We'll dive into that and why we should not see Alexis Diaz for a few days. That's coming up next. Before we get into that, I want to let you know, Reds and Rockies are finishing up the series here today, 12.35 p.m. Eastern Time. Andrew Abbott will oppose Connor Siebold for the series finale and the chance at 11 wins in a row. That's amazing to say. The Reds have won 10 games in a row. They're in first place. But it just I, there's something about this that is just so such an out-of-body experience right now. I love it. But again, it's sustainable, like I said earlier. 
Anyway, if you want to catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast, you can do so with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search the word Reds. Plus, you can follow Locked On Reds on your favorite podcasting platform and right here on YouTube. Also, join the community on Discord. There's a link down in the description of this podcast here today to join the Discord. Lots of great like-minded Reds fans discussing what the Reds should do moving forward and talking about the games as they happen. Plus, for more Reds insight and a direct line to me, text I'm in to 513-597-0944 and join subtext with me today. Andrew Abbott so far this season has not allowed any runs. Don't know if you've heard that or not. He's been phenomenal. And a couple of reasons as to why have a lot to do with his aggressiveness. He throws right around the league average amount of strikes, but he throws the first strike. He throws strike one, the first pitch to two thirds of every batter that he sees. That's key. And he uses his defense pretty well. He relies pretty heavily on it. In fact, um, and, and actually that kind of leads me to a couple of things to watch out for. Andrew Abbott coming into this game has an ERA of, uh, what is that now? When you allow no runs, um, in any amount of innings, that's a zero. You have a zero ERA. What a start to his career. There's been so many great debuts and there's going to be a podcast probably here about the all-star break or something where Steve and I will debate who had the better debut. We got a lot to talk about when it comes to that because there's been a lot of great debuts, but Andrew Abbott definitely is up on that list as he just continues to move along 17 and two thirds innings without allowing a run. Let's see what he's got against Colorado today. There are a couple of things that I'm leery of, and I want to see if he can kind of debunk a little bit. 17 and two thirds innings is nothing when it comes to a, a sample size of knowing a pitcher. But what I've seen from this tiny sample size is he's given up lots of hard contact. His average exit velocity against him is over four miles an hour over league average. He's allowing an average of 92 miles an hour exit velocity. So when guys are hitting him, they're hitting him hard. His strikeout to walk ratio is bad. 16% strikeout rate, well below league average. And then a 14, sorry, 12% walk rate which is 4% above uh, league average. So, or below, if you've got more walk rate, that's below average. So yes. Anyway, what I'm saying is he is not striking out enough guys and he's walking too many guys. So you got to see that come down a little bit. And then another interesting thing to me is he throws his fastball half the time and the expected slugging on that. So Based on the amount of contact, the quality of contact he's giving up, the expected slugging on that should be 500. It's not quite that much. He's getting lucky. That's something to keep an eye out on because as much as I love what we've seen from Andrew Abbott so far, there are lots of numbers that are saying, careful, he's been getting lucky so far. Now, luck plays into it. If you're lucky, you still have a zero ERA. They're not going to take that away from him, but can he mitigate the luck by controlling the base on balls, getting more strikeouts and getting more swings and misses? He doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. That was something he did quite a bit in the minors. So he has the ability to do so. I think he's still just getting used to this major league game. He was very good 
at getting strikeouts and very good at eliminating the walks. So I'm hoping to see that return or at least begin to be part of his major league game. It's probably the same thing as like with Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz was a consistently amazing hitter in the minors, but it took him a little bit of time to get there at each level. Andrew Rabbit, to his credit, while he's getting to his final form, has still yet to allow a run, but we still need we still see much improvement in his game. And I think that's going to come here soon. I'll tell you one dude that just continues to be awesome, and that's Alexis Diaz. And yeah, he looked a little rough last night, and that's just because he seems gassed. And Barry Larkin said it a lot on the broadcast. His pitches that he was missing, he was missing to his arm side. So he's outside to lefties, inside to righties. That's just that's just a telltale sign of fatigue. And he is absolutely gassed. Now, the interesting thing about it is at this point last season, on June 21st of last season, he had thrown 30 innings. June 21st of this season, he's thrown 30 innings. So he's done this before. The difference is last year, after his 30th inning, he had a quick little injured list stent. And we didn't see him again until July 10th. So he took a couple weeks off. I don't necessarily think they're going to need to do that now. I think we just probably don't see him till Saturday or Sunday of the Braves series. And hopefully that doesn't cost them a game in the Braves series or something like that. But he's absolutely just been pitching way too much lately. And the thing about it is, and this is the key difference from this year and last year, since he's thrown the same amount of innings at this point, is the leverage. He has thrown way more high leverage innings. Because there's a, there's a thing on baseball references called the average leverage index. And they kind of give like a, you know, a point score. One is average. Below one is below average. And above one is above average. Last season, the average leverage that he was facing was 1.3. So slightly above average, you know, stress. This year, 2.5. Extremely above average, high leverage, uh, spots for Alexis Diaz, which means way more stress on every pitch that he has thrown so far this season compared to last year. Now credit to him. He's been amazing. He's got the best strikeout rate in the national league for relief pitchers at 44%. It's amazing. The next closest dude is Craig Kimbrell at 38%. He is second in the national league in batting average against Hitters are only hitting a buck 27 against him. And all year, he's allowed three inherited runners to score out of 13. Just amazing stuff for Alexis Diaz. And he absolutely is an all-star. Fans don't vote on pitchers, so we won't get that nonsense. But he's absolutely an all-star. But I absolutely believe the Reds should kind of cool it a little bit on using him. They've got Lucas Sims. They got Ian Jabot. Ian Jabot was warming up, but John Sadak surmised, and he was correct in this, in that if the Reds got any insurance runs in the bottom of the eighth inning, then Ian Jabot would have pitched the ninth. But since they didn't, and it was a three-run game, which then became a two-run game because Alexis Diaz was gassed and gave up a run, but because of that, he, Alexis Diaz was called upon. I don't think the Reds should that that should be an easy decision for David Bell. In fact, he probably went up to Alexis Diaz after the game and said, 
dude, great work. Love the fact that you just got your 20th save of the season here on June 21st. Jeff Carr's bold prediction of you getting 40 saves looks very reachable. But we're going to set you down for a few days. So, you know, take some time, you know, maybe find a nice bourbon or something. If he's a bourbon guy, I don't know. But he needs to take a little bit of a break because dude looked absolutely gassed on Tuesday night, despite being able to get that save. But that's kind of where we're going to end it up today. I'm looking forward to seeing what Andrew Abbott has for us against the Rockies. And if the Reds can get their 11th straight win. Can't believe we're saying that. I absolutely love it. But before we get out of here, don't forget, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. On the SXM app, just search the word Reds. And that'll wrap up this edition of Lockdown Reds. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. Every day is coming up. On the next podcast, we're going to cross over with Paul Holden from Lockdown Rockies and get the Rockies perspective on this series. Plus, Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern time, Steve and I will be live. Can't believe I just said that now. Yes, live episode, off day, live episode, 4 p.m. Thursday. Make sure you join us. Be active in the comments section with your questions, your comments, your thoughts on the Reds, because we love talking Reds with you every single day. Because when it comes to the Reds, Steve and I will be locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.